If you have your Bibles this morning, the book of Micah, chapter number 7. The book of Micah, chapter number 7. It's in the Old Testament. We know it's just after the great big book of Obadiah, which has one chapter. (laughs) And then the book of Jonah. And we know that the book of Micah is found amongst the minor prophets. There are 12 of them in the Old Testament. They are no less prophets than the other prophets. They just wrote smaller books. Micah was a contemporary of the man of God, Isaiah. They prophesied 50 miles apart. The very same times, the very same seasons of life. Isaiah wrote 66 chapters in the book of Isaiah and Micah had seven books. And so one is considered to be minor, one is considered to be major, but not in God's eyes. God sees us all the same. I'll ask if you would please stand. I want to begin reading this morning in verse number 18. Micah chapter 7, verse number 18. Who is a God like unto thee that pardoneth iniquity and passeth by the transgression of the remnant of his heritage? He retaineth not his anger forever because he delighteth in mercy. He will turn again. He will have compassion on us. He will subdue our iniquities. And thou wilt cast all their sins into the depths of the sea. Thou wilt perform the truth to Jacob and the mercy to Abraham, which thou hast sworn unto our fathers from the days of old. What wonderful, powerful verses these verses are. In verse 18 There's a statement here at the end of the verse. It says, he delighteth in mercy. I've been hung up on mercy for a few weeks now. Brother Rim knows that. We've praised God and prayed all over this place. Mercy, 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 mercy. And today I want to preach on matchless mercy. Matchless mercy. Out of the book of Micah chapter 7 verse 18. You know what? That is an exclamation of wonder. It is an affirmation of praise. We can praise him today because of his matchless mercy. And there's a lot of gods in this world. There, There's Allah and Buddha and Confucius. Let me tell you something. Only our God is matchless in mercy. Father, would you have your hand upon us this morning as we try to preach the word Empty us of self, forgive us of our sin, fill us with your spirit, Lord, I pray in Jesus' name, amen and amen. Thank you for standing. You may be seated this morning. Now, the book of Jeremiah, we won't turn there, but Jeremiah chapter 26, Jeremiah had been arrested. He was thrown in prison. He was being put in a pit. They were thinking about killing him. And Jeremiah said, Micah, when he prophesied, it was not illegal. Micah, when he prophesied, Hezekiah heard what he said and God used the messages of Micah to reform and to restore Israel. And so Jeremiah used that as a defense and it worked. Micah, what a great man of God. His name means who is like Jehovah. And that's not a question mark. (laughs) That's a statement. You and I need to be like unto Jehovah. Jehovah. Now, where did this statement come from? Well, it came from God. What were the, number one, the conditions of the day? What were the conditions of the day that Micah lived in? 
What are the conditions of the day that we live in? I think we will find them pretty similar. Look back at verse number one, the corruption of the day. He says, woe is me. So there's a place of woe. He is prophesying in the most sinful, dangerous times of his life. I'm 55 years old today. Not this very day, but at this present time. I'm 55 years old. And may I say that in my 55 short years, these are the most dangerous, sinful, explicit times that we've ever lived. I'm not trying to scare young people. I'm trying to bring your attention to the fact that in my lifetime, which has been short compared to many, these are the hardest of days that we're now living in. But our God is still on the throne and our God is still well able to care and to take for his people. Micah says in that day, woe is me. Read the rest of the verse. For I am as when they gathered the summer fruits. As the great gleanings of the vintage, there is no cluster to eat. My soul desired the first ripe fruit. He says, my days are like this. I have anticipation and excitement because I desire to taste fruit from the grapevine. I planted the grapevine. I've cared for the grapevine. I've made sure it had water. I've made sure it had fertilized. And I'm going down there, bless God, and I'm going to get me some good grapes off the grapevine. But when I got there, there was none. There, there, it was empty. I was, he was left frustrated. Oh, look at the place of woe in which we live. We look for good things and bad things happen. Say amen. amen. There's a perishing of wholesomeness found in verse 2. The good man is perished out of the earth. What does that mean? He said, as I looked towards that, that grapevine, to give something that would be good for me, that's the same way when I look at society. Good men are disappearing. Doing right is dying out. Integrity is dying out. Character is dying out. Holiness is dying out. If you look, you go to the state fair. Mankind has become wicked and mischievous Godly men are becoming scarce in Micah's day and in our day as well. But God still has a remnant. Look around today. God still has a remnant that he gathers together this morning. There's a, look at the rest of verse 2. There's a prevalence of wrongdoers. They all lie in wait for blood. They hunt every man his brother with a net. It seems like people are waiting for an opportunity to hurt somebody. People are waiting for an opportunity to trip somebody up, to murder, cheat, or steal. There's violence in Micah's day. There's violence in our day. It's on every hand. Preacher Darren, I didn't come to hear this. I come for good news. Just hang on. 
I'm just telling you where we live today. Preacher Darren, I know I'm trying to escape that this morning. When you read the book of Micah, there's violence, corruption, oppression of the poor, social injustice, there's gross immorality, there's illicit sex, there's robbery, there's theft, murder. It's just like it is today. Verse 3. They that may do evil with both hands earnestly. In other words, both hands are doing evil. It used to be when men worked evil, when I was just a boy, when I was just a lad of maybe seven or eight years old, men may work evil with one hand, but with the other hand they were trying to disguise it. They were trying to hide it. They were ashamed of it. But men that practice sin today, they're proud of it. They strut about it. They want you to applaud them and to support them for it. But used to, what they did, they did it nighttime under the cover of darkness. Say amen. They tried to disguise it and they were ashamed of sin. But the society in which we live, we're no longer ashamed of sin. Verse four. No, keep reading verse three. The prince asketh and the judge asketh for a reward. They won't bribe. The great man, he uttereth his mischievous desire so they wrap it up. The best of them is as a briar. The most upright is sharper than a, horn, than a thorn hedge. What are we saying? There's a breakdown in morality. There's a breakdown in leadership in our nation. Micah thought, surely someone that's upright can help me. But when he turned to someone that he considered, I'm quoting, upright, all he got was hurt. He didn't get help. Have you ever had somebody that you consider to be upright in your life? And boy, how they fell and they wounded you like a briar. They hurt you rather than help you. The government and the judiciary system is filled with corruption and greed. You can't trust the upright anymore. Justice seems to be for sale. They're the curse of sin, death upon mankind, and thorns upon the earth is prevalent. Israel is actually, in this problem, they're blaming God for their plot. When actually, it's because they've forsaken God. They have left and departed righteousness and truth with God Almighty. I may, this, this may be as popular as a polecat in a perfume factory, but I'm telling you, our nation and our leadership has departed from the truths of God's Word and for the precepts of the standards of the Word of God. And for that, we are not, we are not headed in the right direction. I don't care who says we're doing good. I don't care who says it. We are not headed in the right direction. There must be repentance from our people. The same problem existed in Micah's day. He says in verse 4, he says, The day of thy watchman and thy visitation cometh. Now as he prophesies to the southern kingdom, let me tell you what's just happened to the northern kingdom. Assyria has come and carried away their neighbors off into sin. Their brothers, their neighbors, their, their families, they've carried many of them off into sin. The southern king are off into captivity because of sin. 
The southern kingdom's still there, still living, still dwelling, and they go around without repentance in their heart. They go around just doing their little thing, talking about it with no repentance, and they're practicing the same evils that the northern kingdom practiced. And Micah says, the days of your visitation, judgment's coming. And I'm telling you something. This disease, this pestilence, this plague that's on our land is a judgment from God over our sin. And when judgment falls, it falls on the just and the unjust. Just like when it rains, it falls on the just and the unjust. Amen, Pastor. Verse 5. Trust ye not in a friend. What does that mean? Used to be you could call your friend and say, can you pray for me about such and such? But you find out that your friend is the very one participating in all this stuff and causing helping society along. And the people that you call friends, that you ask them to pray, they laugh at you for even taking the time to pray. I've got friends that I thought were upright people that have no walk, no practice of worship or a prayer life at all. And used to, they did. He says, do trust ye not in a friend. Put ye not confidence in a guide. In other words, someone not just, not just a friend, but maybe someone that you, you know, a guide, you need someone to show you to go away that you don't know how to go. You better be careful to call on the expert. They may mislead you. I get calls all the time, said, Pastor Darren, I need a, you to advise me about a godly counselor that I can talk to. There's problems, there's issues. And I'm always afraid to refer them to someone because people that I knew used to be godly counselors and helpers are now just as worldly as the world is. And they may mess you up worse than you already are. Keep, what's this? Keep the doors of thy mouth from her that lieth in thy bosom. In other words, there are some homes you can't, husbands can't even talk to their wives. There are wives that cannot talk to their husbands about spiritual things. It's going to blow up. Kaboom! It's getting quieter in here. I'm just telling you about the conditions of that day. There's a breakdown in morality. There's a breakdown in leadership. There's a breakdown in the family. Look at verse 6. For the son dishonoreth the father. The daughter riseth up against her mother. The daughter-in-law against the mother-in-law. Well, that'd be pretty juicy. Let's talk about that. Let's talk about in-laws and outlaws. Oh, I better get off that hat now. Amen. Amen. A man's enemies are the men of his own house. I mean, no doubt today, I'm the pastor at Bethel. Been here 20 plus years. And no doubt to every member of this church, the mom preaching today, that's not popular. Many people are going to hear what I'm saying and say, I don't like it. I want a message of hope. I want a message of inspiration. I don't like it. I cut you off. 
Amen? Sometimes our enemies are in our very own house. Number two, there's the competence in deliverance. Now here's Micah with the conditions of that day. Who's he going to talk to? Where's he going to turn? He can't go to the left. He can't go to the right. He, he, he doesn't have friends. He has leaderships failed him. I mean, the, the king's messed up and, and, and there's the enemies on their way. What are we going to do? I mean, where are we going to get help from, church? Do you think, do you think help's going to come from the White House? Do you think help's going to come from the outhouse? Do you think help's going to come from the Supreme Court? Do you really think it's going to come from Washington, D.C. with the Senate? You think it's going to come from your representatives? I hate to tell you this, but my help cometh from the Lord. And that is exactly who Micah's going to call on. His confidence is in deliverance. Verse 7, therefore, that means because of all these things, I will look unto the Lord. I will wait for the God of my salvation. My God will hear me. He says, I will look. In other words, God has promises all through his word and his promises have encouraged me. Oh, preacher Darren, I don't know about his his promises. Look them up. Look to him. Look to him. I mean, some of you, when I say look to the Lord, you just stand there and look up in the sky like Uncle Simp Thompson. And I walked out and saw him standing there and I said, Uncle Simp, what are you doing? I started looking too. He said, I was just thinking it's a good day for the Lord to come back. That's good. Look for him. But I'm going to tell you another way you can look for him, honey. Look for him in the scriptures. Hey, some of you this this morning, you're just trying to get ready for church. You're in a hurry. I mean, she was having trouble getting her hair at a 38 degree angle. Hey, man, with with a hair hair curler. And here you was waiting, said, come on, sir. Come on, come on, come on. And y'all's about ready to fight, get in with each other. Hey, man, you know it's the truth. And you, listen, Come on. you're looking for your Bible. Honey, get out to the car. Where's my Bible? I don't know. I ain't seen it in two weeks. Oh Where'd I, hey, honey, you need to know where your Bible is. Yeah. Yeah. Yes, sir. Yeah. It's your sword, amen. Yeah. It's the word of God. Yeah. Some of you, I heard when I asked you to look for the book of Micah, I heard this. If you hadn't used your Bible in so long, the hinges has got rusty on it. Look up the promises of God for the conditions of our day. It'll give you confidence in his deliverance. He said, I'm looking to the Lord. And he said, I'm going to wait for the God of my salvation. God's timing is best. He's made us promises. I believe he's going to do what he said he's going to do. He says, my God will hear when my neighbor won't hear me. When my king won't hear me, when the White House won't hear me, when the Senate won't hear me, I tell you who will hear me, my God will hear me. He's a faithful friend on whom you and I can depend. While other people scoff and I feel alone, my God will hear me. Now it looks like the condition of the day that injustice and sinfulness and wickedness is winning. It looks today like wrong is winning. That's what it looks like. And there are people right now that would laugh at me. Look at verse 8. He says, Rejoice not against me, O mine enemy, 
when I fall, I shall arise. When I sit in darkness, the Lord shall be a light unto me. When you think you've got me cornered and you think you've got me beat, you think you've got me defeated, the promises of God are a light unto my path. And I'm still encouraged. Amen. Now, the wicked people, the Bible, as they rejoice against us, it's what the Bible says to you that are saved. Proverbs chapter 24, verse 16. For a just man falleth seven times. Have you, as someone who's upright, someone that's right with God, have you ever failed? Have you ever stumbled? I mean, I don't know this to be true, but somehow I believe that Noah in the ark, he may have stumbled over a bucket or over a shovel every now and then when he was in the ark. But because he stumbled, he didn't fall out of the boat. The Lord had shut him in. He was sealed in there. Amen? A just man may fall seven times, but he riseth up again. But the wicked shall fall in the mischief, and it's going to be done for them forever. Let's look at verse 10. Then she that is mine enemy shall see it, and the shame shall cover her, which said unto me, Where is the Lord thy God? There are people right now that are saying, Where is God? Where is God when death comes to a home? Where is God when sickness comes to a home? Where is God when everything seems to be going wrong and you're trying to serve the Lord? Have you ever heard people say, where's your God at? The devil get on your shoulder and say, where's other people got healed? You prayed like somebody else. Why didn't you get the healing? Other people said they got. Right? David in the Psalms. Psalms 42, verses 3 and 10. Psalms 115, verse 2. Three times he heard, Where is the Lord thy God? They scoff and they mock at you for suffering and going through struggles and hardships. Listen, I think Adam heard that from the devil when he was in the garden. Where's the Lord thy God? Joseph probably heard it when he was in the prison. The three Hebrew children heard it before they threw him in the fire. Daniel heard it as they threw him in the lion's den. Peter and John heard it when they threw him in the prison cell. Paul and Silas heard it when they threw him in the prison cell. Stephen heard it right when he's getting ready to be stoned. Where's your God at now? Where is the Lord thy God? Amen. I believe with all my heart Paul heard it right before he was going to the guillotine have his head chopped off. Where's your Lord at now? Has the enemy ever hit you with that? I tell you where he's at. He's on a throne. And he's ruling and reigning in the affairs of men. Yeah, but Pastor Darren, why is there suffering? I mean, if there's really a God, why is there suffering? Why does he allow this suffering to come? Well, there was a fella who went down to the barber shop to get his hair cut. And the barber didn't believe in God. And was making statements about people's suffering. People's got hardships. If there's really a God, why didn't he make things better? If there's really a God, why didn't he stop this mess? And the man getting his hair cut said, I don't know what to say to this guy. I don't know what to say. Finally, he said, well, I guess there's no barbers either. He said, no barbers, I'm cutting your hair. He said, but look over there. There's a man with long, long, stringy hair all the way down past the back of his knees. And I'm honest, he's living like a hobo. And he's in bad shape. So there must not be barbers for a man to be living like that. He said, there's barbers. He just won't come see me. 
there's a God. And when we get in suffering, when we get in sorrow, when we get in difficulties, honey, we just need to go see him and he'll make our sorrows better. He may not change your circumstance. He'll just show himself as God, mighty and true, and it'll help you. God is our refuge and our strength, our very present help in trouble. Number three, the conditions of the day. Confidence, God, I believe you're going to do something about this. I believe you're going to turn this outfit around. I believe that too. I believe God's doing a work in this church. I believe it with all my heart. Number three, number three, there's the compassion of God's delight. This is what Micah says in verse 18. In the middle of all this stuff, and they're, they're laughing at me while I'm having confidence in God, they're saying, where's the Lord thy God? Listen to him. He starts to give praise to the sovereign. Who is a God like unto thee? He says, there's no God like you. He starts praising him. He, God inhabits the praise of his people. You, you want to get along with God? You want to get close to God? Draw nigh to him. Draw nigh to him. How, preacher? Start rejoicing in him. Amen. Well, preacher, Darren, I just don't feel like rejoicing. I'm crying. I'm, I'm telling you, when I started rejoicing coming up the mountain today, God got in that car with me. Honest, I'd knock things out of the seat beside me, knocked them in the floorboard, and I said, Lord, just sit down with me a while. In fact, I, I thought about letting him drive. Amen. 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 I'm telling you, was that real with me this morning? And to rejoice is a choice. And I just, I D-double dare you. I challenge you today, right in the devil's face. Hey, man, you, you might ought to do it this morning. Just say, Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Bless his holy name. Yes, what a God he is. There's no God like our God. I want to grab this microphone wire and swing around this morning. There's no God like our God. When you start rejoicing and you start praising him, he comes around. And when his presence comes around, there's help, there's healing, there's revival, there's restoration. Woo! He's just something about getting around him. He calls him, the word for God is the word Elohim. It means God that's creator, God that's almighty, God that can do all things by strength. Yet at the same time, he's a God that's kind. Most people that's strong, they're, they're obnoxious. Most people that's strong, you, you can't hardly stand to get around them. They're so strong. Right? There's no kindness to him. But our God is the omnipotent one. He's all powerful in grace and in kindness. Hey Amen. Who is like our God? Woo! Look what else he does. That pardoneth iniquity. You know what else he does? He pardons sin. You, you go get any world leader. Not all the prophets, all the saints of God, not one of them can pardon sin. Paul can't do it. Preacher Darren can't do it. Percy Ray couldn't do it. J. Harold Smith couldn't do it. There's only one that can pardon sin. Hey, Buddha can't do it. Confucius can't do it. Allah can't do it. Only God can do it through the blood of Jesus Christ. Who is a God like unto thee that pardoneth iniquity? You know what the pardon is? It's to lift and to take it away. In other words, this is a poor illustration. But if sin had shrouded me and covered me and keeps me from praying and seeking his face, he lifted it. 
I like to throw it. He took it away. Amen. Iniquities. What is iniquities? It is a gross term. It's gross. It's distortion. It's twisted. It's corrupt. It's perverted. God says, I forgive distorted, twisted, wicked, abominable sins. I forgive them. I pardon sin. Look what else. He passeth by the transgression of the remnant of his heritage. He passes over with the sentence. The word passes over is a Hebrew word. It's the Hebrew word abar. It means to cross over. It means to pass over. You remember the children of Israel? God said, this night, I'm going to come through Egypt and all the firstborn I will require of that household unless you take the blood. Oh boy, I got to go. You take the blood and you put it on the doorpost and you put it on the lintel of the house. And when I come to your house looking for the firstborn, when I see the blood, I will pass over you. Surely in that household, there were sinners there. Surely there were people in there that were transgressors. Surely there were people in there that were filled with iniquity. Surely there are people that's going to die and go to hell and they're unworthy and undeserving. But by faith, when they put the blood on the doorpost and the lintel, they said, God, would you have mercy? Would you pass by tonight? And that's what, Lord of God, hallelujah, he passed by us, amen, and let us go. Woo! I deserve punishment. I was a sinner, and he forgave me. What's a transgression? It's defiant disobedience. It's to revolt. It's to say to authority, no. That's the condition of our land. We're revolting. We live in a day of cancel culture. Don't think for a second they don't want to cancel the church. They don't want to cancel the word of God. But honey, you go ahead and try to shut down the church. Jesus is the head of the church and the gates of hell shall not prevail against the church of the living God. Well, I'll cancel that Bible. I don't, you know, nowadays, they're canceling songs, right? They're going back to try to rewrite history. They're tearing down uh, uh, statues and trying. Let me tell you something, honey. You can't change the word of God. It's forever settled in heaven, amen. Amen. It's a done deal. Man, I got glory bumps on me big enough to button my shirt on one. Amen. Listen now. He says, he retaineth not his anger forever. Now, he's strong. And when we sin, it makes him angry. He's holy. But he knows. He retains his anger. He knows how to back off. You ever, you ever seen somebody that, man, when they just lost it, they lost it. I mean, they, there was no stopping them until they got rid of all of it. And then they're going like, what happened? You said ugly words. You was mad. Like, no, I wasn't. No, I wasn't. Oh, yes, because you're so red and caught up in it. You got, but God retains not his anger forever. I got to move on. Look, look, look here. He's patient with the saints. That's what I want to say. And look at this, the pleasure of salvation. Because he delighteth. The word is chafetz. 
It means to take pleasure. It means to be inclined to be favorable. To be inclined to be kind. To be inclined to take pity. Hey, here I was in misery, the conditions of the day. Nobody turned to, nobody listened to me. No friends, all adversaries and all enemies. But when I turned to the Lord, he is bent and inclined to be kind and favorable to me because he delights in mercy. The word shafetz, it also means that God takes no pleasure in the death of the wicked. When someone that's unsaved dies, God didn't say, good riddance. I'm glad he's gone. I'm glad to get rid of that girl. He no. He has no delight. He takes no pleasure in the death of the wicked. You know what delights God? When he can have mercy on his people. Hey, thank God. Thank God. Thank God. Mm. He delighteth the mercy. Think for a second. God is angry and he's sorry when we get into sin. But mercy is when you see someone that's in need, you don't just say, oh, ding, 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 ding. There's a person in need. And ding, 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 there's another one in need. And there's one back there and there's one over there. They're in need. No, the word mercy means that not only do you see the need, but you do something about it. He did something about it, amen. Extra, extra, read all about it. God sent his son to die in our place that we might be saved. And he has mercy on us, amen. Well, the word mercy is the word he said. It is me not getting what I deserved. I was going, I was going down the road the other day and I was running probably 45, 50, 55 miles an hour in a 45 mile an hour zone and I had an excellent state trooper pull me over to the side of the road. He escorted me over to the side of the road. Yes, he did. And I looked at him, pulled out my license. He said, preacher. I know it never happened to you. That's why you're laughing, right? Preacher. How fast was it going? You was going so fast, I don't even know. I seen you so quick, I don't even know for sure. Slow down for me, would you? He could have given me a ticket. I deserve justice. I deserved a ticket. But he said, I'm going to have mercy on you and I'm just going to let you go. With a warning, slow down for me. And I have, pretty much. Amen? And thank God for it. How many times did you deserve to be ticketed and somebody lets you go? How many times did God want to put justice on you and he gave you mercy? I was talking to somebody the other day. They said, you know what? They said, you know, that picture just don't do me justice. And I thought, you're right. You have a face that needs mercy. (laughs) Say amen right there. Now, we're talking about the superiority of the character of God. Look at verse 19. He has significant compassion. He will turn again. In other words, he will have a return of sympathy. They're not going to be in sin forever. He's going to forgive their sins, going to restore them, and God's going to revive, replenish, restore them. Oh, thank God. If you're going through a hard time this morning, just hang on, hang in. He's going to restore you. He's going to give you back everything you lost and then some with interest. 
God's gonna make the devil pay. That ought to make somebody shout this morning. I lost, the devil said you lost this. It's been taken away. Hey, I want you to know COVID did this to you. And COVID took, honey, I don't care what COVID took from you. God's gonna give you better. He will turn again. There's return of his sympathy. And the Bible says, he will have compassion on us. Woo! He will subdue. The word subdue, it means to mash them down. Subdue means to, to put pressure on them, to pulverize them. Pressure on them to crush them. God's going to crush our iniquities. I like this. So there's a renewal of strength. Thou wilt cast all their sins in the depths of the sea. There's going to be a removal of sin. He's going to cast your sin into the depths of the sea. Some of, here's your problem. Some of y'all like to go fishing in the sea of God's forgetfulness. Why in the world do you want to bring up that mess that God forgave you of? Why do you want to go back to that mess that God forgave you of? I think they said the, the Marianas Trench in the ocean is almost seven miles deep. Can you imagine going seven miles deep? That's God's perfect number. That's not just accident. That's a design of God, right? Seven miles deep. He takes your sin and goes, bloop. And there's some nasty they sink right to the bottom. I'm salt water will float just about anything. But he throws it to the depths of the sea. In the depths of the sea, there's darkness at seven miles deep. God said, I can't even see it. It's gone. Can you imagine the pressure? They, they, I, I looked up the number. I wrote it down, but I won't take time. But the pressure that you feel at seven miles depth. Oh, hey, man, listen to me. God takes those sins and he pulverizes them. He crushes them. He said, glory to God. My Bible says he throws them behind his back. My Bible says he casts them as far as the east is from the west. My Bible says I will remember their iniquities no more. They're gone. They're gone. Praise God, they're gone. Man, that excites me. You know why I got excited for y'all sung this morning? Because my sins are gone. Well, hallelujah, anyhow. There's no God like him. Sin has met its match and sin has been defeated. I would remind you that God drowned Pharaoh and the Egyptians in the depths of the sea. And the sins of Israel will be cast into the depths of the sea. I'm reminded of one named Jesus who came in John 1, 29, and he said, Woo! that he would take away the sins of the world. Take them away. How many throw them in the depths of the sea? They're somewhere. East of the west, they're, they're, as far as the east is from the west, they're somewhere. But Jesus said, hey, John said, Behold the Lamb of God, which taketh away, taketh away, taketh away the sins of the world. I'm coming up the mountain today, driving on my way to church. God said, you remember that time that you was a prodigal? Some of y'all today, you've never been a prodigal. You've never been backslid. You've never been wayward. But there was a time for somebody here, after you got saved, started living for God, that you messed up and you failed miserably. And the devil reminds you of it even to this day. And you got off into sin. And there was that moment, I couldn't believe what you were singing. There was that moment that, that there you was with the Father and you said, I'm eating my last meal with the Father and I'm leaving. 
I'm getting all that's coming to me and I'm leaving. I don't want to be around mom and dad anymore. I want to do my thing. And that boy gets off. His daddy says, son, before you leave, can I pray with you? Can I give you some scripture, son? And son, can I hug you one last time? Son, can I tell you? You'll always be welcome back here. I'll always have a place for you at my table. I'll always have a place for you in my heart. Son, if you go, you go knowing your daddy loves you. But the son, he's austere. He's hard-hearted and rebellious. And he went anyway. And he got off and had all kinds of friends. And he had all kinds of riches. And he had all kinds of money. And he's seen women like you'd never seen before. And he's seen fame and fortune like you'd never seen before. He had parties like you'd never seen before. I'm talking about he was living it up until one day he reached into his pocket and there was no more money. And his buddies came over and said, hey, can you buy me another round? He said, fellas, I'll tell you what, how about y'all buying me one? They said, we ain't got nothing. Sins emptied us. You buy your own. They left him. He didn't have no more ladies. He didn't have no more fellas. He didn't have no more friends. He didn't have no more food. He didn't have no more finances. I mean, he's wearing this. He can't even afford to wash his clothes. He's in terrible shape. And he goes down. He takes a job slopping the pogs, slopping the pigs. And there he is. And he's, he said, you know what, man? It must be bad because even them corn husks and even that old slop, that pig slop looks better than what I've got to eat. And he got down and he said, oh, God. I've sinned against you. Lord, would you work it out where I could go home? I'd like to go home and say to my father, Father, I've sinned against you. Father, would you let me come home? I'm not worthy to be your child, but would you make me one of your hired servants? I'll wash the dishes from now on, Daddy. I'll wash the clothes from now on, Daddy. I'll go out and wash the car. Daddy, I'll do whatever you say. I'll be at your beck and call, Daddy. I just want to go back home again. So he starts for home. And maybe there's somebody here today, you started for home. You've had a pig slop condition has happened in your life. And you started for home. And the devil's trying to say, oh, God's not going to help you. You know what you did. You've really messed up. But let me tell you something. Back at the father's house every day, the father was looking for that boy. He'd go and stand and say, boy, I wish he'd come home. Have you seen him? When you was in town, did you happen to get a view of him? He had eyes of mercy. He was looking for his boy. And one day, just like you've done every day, he looked out and he said, there he is. That's my boy who's been off in sin's way and sin's prison held captive by the devil. That's my boy. You think he's going to beat him? You think he's going to slap him? You think he's going to say hurtful words to him? My Bible says that he ran to him. He had legs of mercy. My Bible said he wrapped his arms around him. He had arms of mercy. My Bible says he put the ring back on his finger. My Bible says he put shoes back on his feet. My Bible says he put a robe back on his shoulder. My Bible says he killed a fatted calf and said rejoice with me for this my son which was lost has been found. He's home. You see our father is matchless in mercy. I don't care how far you've gone. And how bad you've messed up. 
He'll forgive you and have mercy on you and restore you to sonship today. And as I'm starting up the hill, I about had a time. I'm having a time this morning. I'm telling you, there's somebody here. You may be old. You may be, you may be my age. You may be a young person in your 20s. You may be in your 30s trying to get a feel for the zest of life. You may be a young person. Maybe you're still in high school. You're in, you're in middle school. And you're, let me tell you something. God will have mercy on you today. If you'll make a decision, I'm coming home. Lord, I messed up. So, God, I've been, I've went to. Lord, I've seen, I've been a part of. Oh, God, could you ever forgive me? Oh, yes. He's, he's looking for you today. You'll stand to your feet. He's at one. Seth, you come play. God has a song. He's going to lay on Seth's heart. And this is his invitation to you. Coming home. Come on right now. Hey, maybe somebody. I don't know who you are. But maybe you've been that prodigal. Years ago, you came home. You ought to come back and say, oh God, I want to thank you for that. I could never thank you or praise you enough for the matchless mercy you've had on my soul. Maybe today you're discouraged by the conditions of the day. Maybe death has come. Discouragement and defeat has come. But today, if you'll look to him, if you'll call on him, he'll touch you today. Folks are moving. I'm coming home. I'm coming home. Amen. Folks still moving. Maybe you're online this morning. This invitation is for you as well. God is dealing with your heart today. Would you mind the Lord? Get on your knees right now. Call on Him. Ask Him to have mercy. Ask Him to help you, restore you. He'll do it today. Maybe you're here and you've never been saved. Preacher Darren, I don't want to play any more games. I want to be saved. I want to have joy. I want to know that I'm going to heaven. I'll not embarrass you. I'll ask you today. Your head's bowed. Nobody's looking. Is there somebody in the house of God today? You'll slip up your hand. I promise you, you can trust me. you slip up your hand and say, Pastor Darren, I am not saved. Just this week, we probably had eight or ten people saved just this week. Preacher Darren, I need to be saved. Is there anybody? Anybody in the house? Anybody at home? Just slip up your hand. You can put it right back down and say, Lord, I need to be saved. Oh, if you do, I want you to just bow your head where you are. Call on him. Tell him, Lord, I'm a sinner. I believe you're the Savior. Would you forgive me? Would you save me? Would you wash my sin in your blood? Like the book of Micah said, cast my sin in the depths of the sea. Never be brought up against you again. Father, I praise you this morning, God, for your matchless mercy. Lord, I ask your blessing upon all today. God, there are many needs round about us. God, I pray for that one that's come home. Lord, I give you thanks, Lord, for that time. Lord, there's been a couple times. God, I got off and messed up, but God, you brought me back. God, you, you kept me, preserved me, gave me peace, gave me mercy, gave me grace. Lord, I want to thank you for it. God, I ask your touch today, God, will be upon this church, upon this people. Keep them encouraged, Lord. Bless your people, Lord. Pardon their iniquities. Pass by their transgression, Lord. Delight in mercy, God. Delight in mercy, God. Lord, we love you. I pray for families today, God, going through bereavement. God, would you have mercy on them? 
God, would you give them comfort? Would you bless them, Lord? Would you renew their strength? God, would you do a great work in their lives? Touch them, God, I pray. Lord, we love you. We praise you. And we thank you for it all. In Jesus' precious and holy name, amen and amen.